1: Welcome to the Total Saints Podcast. We're the weekly pod that goes to the heart of all things Southampton FC. As you may have noticed, it's Monday evening, but fear not, we haven't got our days mixed up. Instead, with no Saints game this past weekend due to the international break, we thought we'd trial a new school night, bite sized episode focused purely on answering your Saints related questions. So, no long introduction and no set agenda, no match previews or reviews, just topics and opinions from you with 30 minutes to get through as much as we can. To my knowledge, we've only done a couple of bonus midweek episodes during all the TSP years, and one of those was after a 9-0 loss at Manchester United. So every chance this will be a much more enjoyable experience than that was. Anyway, I'm your host, Ben Stanfield, and joining me on TSP 247 are the regular panel of Glenda Lacour, Steve Grant, and the Daily Echo's senior Southampton FC reporter, Alfie House. To get your thinking juices flowing, was there anything Alfie wrote about in his first Q&A of the season that you'd like to explore a little more with him? Are you wanting Glenn's opinion on the Saints players who have stood out so far this season or those who really should be contributing more? Or maybe it steves you on the continued progress our women's team are making and whether any realistic promotion chances within the club now rest with them. Please do get in touch and make this your show. Simply drop your questions or comments into the live YouTube or Facebook feed and we'll do our best to discuss them during the next half an hour or so. Glenn, while we're waiting for a few to come in, let's start with you. Um, assuming my maths is correct, between now and the first of January 2024, Saints will play 14 league games. With that in mind, how crucial is the next phase of the season, do you think?
2: I think every little phase of the season in between the international breaks is is just as important as as any other when you're when you're looking to achieve what we're looking to achieve this season, which is to get promoted. You you can't I mean, we've already had one little period where we had four games where we lost a lot, so we can't afford um, any more of those. Um, I think Burnley got promoted last year, only losing three games all season. Well, obviously, we've already lost four, so there's, um, there's some ground to be made up, so we, we can't afford to um, have any extended periods where, where we're getting beat if we're hoping to be um, uh, you know, challenging for the top two, which I think you know, should still be the aim given the number of games that are left. I think you can stay in playoff contention. I mean, we've we've seen it a lot over the years where teams have been third or fourth bottom at Christmas and then gone on a ridiculous run and ended up in the playoffs. I remember Crystal Palace doing it, um, notably a few years ago and ended up getting promoted. So you know, there's 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 so many games, so much to play for. But uh but yeah, I mean the two games we've got back straight away after the international break, Holloway, Preston away, they're they're two very difficult ones. So we can set the tone for um, for the rest of the season right there, pick up four or six points from those two games and uh, and we'll be laughing, but another couple of defeats and it won't look too clever.
1: Steve, your, your thoughts on the, the sort of period between now and January? I was just saying there are 14 games, it's 42 points, a lot of points to play for, and it feels like a really crucial make or break part of the season. Um, Yeah, I mean, this is kind of the time where we thought everything would start to settle down, isn't
3: it? Where... The squad's kind of a little bit more settled. We've got a bit of a um, system of play uh, going on that we were kind of hoping would be sort of a winning, kind of a winning formula at this stage. I think I think there's still sort of tweaks to be made. Um, I, I still don't think the the midfield is remotely settled in terms of who um, who works best in that three. Um, but yeah, that this run of games having got. Pretty pretty much all of the the sort of big name teams out of the way really. Um, now we we embark on a run of games against those sort of middly teams who I think they're they're the sort who are going to be the big uh, we paradoxically are going to kind of um, pose the biggest challenge to us because they're the sort of niggly little sides who are going to be quite happy to sit in and and sit deep and basically invite us to break them down and when we inevitably can't then they'll score from score from their one set piece um and i mean let's be honest we've seen we've seen this this story many many times it's it's nothing new is it but um no I i think the fact that we're now in in this in this sort of run of games where and we're off the back of a week where we, got, we took seven points and I think if I think before that Leeds game if if you'd said to most Saints fans well you're going to get seven points from these next three games um I think everybody would have been delighted but it was just the just the fact that the one uh came against Rotherham who I mean there was an ultimate football manager rage quick game wasn't it where they had one <laughs> shot and um and we've battered them and not not managed to break them down um so yeah I, th- I mean I think that was a huge overreaction from from all quarters really but it was I mean it was annoying but these things happen um but these these games are, are there's going to be a few of those I suspect um there'll be some where we nick late winners as we did in those those early games um Sheffield Wednesday clearly are not very good and we kind of ground it out in the end in in many ways um so it's not like we can't do it um and it's now just a case of kind of putting that into practice hopefully we get um uh ross stewart on the field at some point um this this side of christmas that'd be nice um having spent all having gone to all that effort and spent all that money on him um particularly given the kind of struggles that um that we're seeing from uh from shea adams since since the end of the uh end of the window um so yeah i mean it's it's there's a lot of games that aren't particularly glamorous in this run of games. And it's, it's going to be one of those where people are just going to have to show a hell of a lot more patience than they did last week. That's for sure.
1: Alfie, let's come to you. Um, just, just briefly Cameron's uh, says he's watching in Paderborn in Germany. It feels strange being on a Monday. I think that's the same for us as well, Cameron, but uh, there's a question here I can see um, from the grant 53, which I don't think Steve, um, it says, what's the situation with THB um, to, to link that as well. Alfie, Ed, one of our patrons has said, um, sent a question to me actually offline saying, um, you know, when Jack Stevens comes back, do we think that Russell Martin might revert to playing three at the back to get them all into the side? So are you able to maybe sort of link those two questions together, your thoughts on potentially Stevens and three at the back and what the latest is on THB?
4: Yeah, I've still got no update on Taylor Bellis. Obviously, the last thing the club said was that he'd come back early from the international break um, and a hamstring injury. It could be, what, anywhere from two to six weeks, depending on the severity of it. So we'll probably find out from Russell on Friday, more about that. Um, I would be surprised if he went to a three at the back, to be honest with you. I don't know what you think, Glenn Steve, but I think he, I, he'll he probably play this 4-3-3 or this 4-2-3-1 for the, you know, the foreseeable. I'd be very surprised if he changes it. The only thing you could say is that Ryan Manning and Carl Peters are both potentially more comfortable as wing-backs, you know, particularly Ryan Manning. Um, obviously, he's top of the, the charts for passing, for chances created for progressive moves. Um, but he has made a few defensive howlers, I suppose, and it doesn't look the most assured at the back. So you actually might get the best out of him by doing that. Um, but I think we've seen from Southampton the last sort of two or three years, I know it's been different managements, but a three at the back has never really worked for Saints. I wouldn't be that comfortable going back to it, even when we've had, you know, Bella Kochab, and Bednarek in the same back three. It still hasn't worked. So that would make me a little bit uh, cautious about that. Yeah. Glenn, what about
1: you? Um, obviously, the sort of positive, I suppose, of the Leeds performance, and the, and then the win at Stoke was kind of that inverted nine, and the sort of you know the team that he had and that setup. It almost felt like he'd found a bit of a formula, and it didn't work against Rotherham. But can you see him potentially re-engineering it when uh, Jack Stevens comes back, or not?
2: Um, I would hope not. I don't think there's really a need to. You know, we've got if you play sort of with wing backs then what do you do with players like Suleimana, Idozi, Fraser. They they're kind of, you know, they could they can fit in a four three formation or four four two or whatever. But you sort of wonder where they'd fit in a um I mean you could play Suleimana up front. That's that's something that I could yeah. maybe see happening. Um but uh I mean the the one thing that concerns me about the the sort of false nine formation is is the the goal threat a little bit because Alcaraz is not really a striker as we all know and then you're relying on Solemanna zero goals this season and Adam Armstrong who has done well but can be a little bit hit and miss there have there have been some games you know i mean that Stoke game we didn't exactly have much threat going forward um even even though we managed to win the game and um but then we you know we tried with an out and out centre forward against Rotherham and um and and that didn't work because of a uh, you know, as Steve's already alluded to, Che Adams has not been great since the uh, since the transfer window closed. So, it wouldn't surprise me if you know. Sorry, it would surprise me if we went to if we went to three at the back just to shoehorn Stevens in. I think Stevens has got to prove that you know he's a better option than um, Harwell Bellis and Bednarek at the moment. If I had all four cent halves, including the fully fit, it would be Harwell Bellis and, Bed- and Bednarek for me because I thought those two looked like a decent partnership and you know with with Manning and um and Walker Peters I thought that was the a solid back four that if you played that every game you wouldn't have too many problems um Matt Manning is a little bit prone to sometimes in the flat back he doesn't get out to the winger quick enough for me sometimes there's there's too many crosses coming in from that wing but you know Walker Peters is prone to that as well just letting crosses coming into the box so uh so uh, but i just feel that with with a back four we we would look we we will be more solid and it would mm. cause problems further forward with the players that we've got yeah if we went to a five
1: yeah um Steve, Chris Beavers said, uh, I'd love thoughts on Martin Ball now we're 10 plus games in. Are we confident he will be the man to lead us back to the Premier League? Um, obviously, as football fans, we're always quite short-sighted, aren't we? We tend to sort of think about the last result and worry about the next one rather than uh, maybe analyse everything over the period. But are you, are you seeing more positives than negatives? I know you guys have been talking about it a fair bit with Martin. Um, well, I've seen change, which I think a lot of us weren't
3: possibly weren't expecting after the first three or four games. Um because those first 3 or 4 games it was kind of a sort of my way or the highway and we're literally going to do this regardless of what happens sort of positive or negative um and actually um he has refined the system um we've not been quite so um passing for passing sake there's been moments where we've where we've gone more looked to go more direct looked to uh, run the channels um and i think as a result we we kind of look a little bit more solid um i mean defensively we've not been anywhere near as as much of a complete car crash that we were um sort of a month or so ago um so i think martin ball has has evolved and i think he's he's learning what the players are capable of what they're not capable of um the latter probably being the more important of the two um and as a result, I think we're, we're, we're seeing this kind of evolving sort of structure um, coming into, coming into the game and And I think, and well, as I mentioned earlier, this this run of games against against sides who are solid and very unspectacular, um, I think having a system that the players are now seemingly much more comfortable with, and a kind of playing style that they're that they're more um, set up, more geared up for. Um, I think that probably works in our favour. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, we should, we should have too much quality for most of the teams that we're playing in this league. Um, but as ever, you've got to go out and earn the right to do it. Um, and I thought Flynn Downs was was absolutely spot on in his kind of post-Rotherham assessment in that, first off, we were really good. And at the end of the day, if um, uh, their keeper hadn't um, had a worldie, um, then we probably win that game 4-0 and no nobody's remotely bothered uh, by these two weeks if anything Every, everyone's disappointed that um that we're now giving up sort of mem- any sort of momentum that we've built up um so yeah i i think we're i think it's it's evolved from what we what we saw um i mean pre-season was kind of complete write off really in in many ways um but even those first those first handful of games where we got results but it was you could always tell it was a work in progress um i think now we're kind of seeing um it's kind of been rode back a little bit um in order to cover up for the many defensive um, deficiencies um but yeah that that give i think that gives us a better chance of winning more games
4: I've asked Jan Bednarek and Russell Martin, both separately, what the difference is defensively what it has been the last couple of weeks. And typically, I'm sure it was an answer they've trained, but the answer was simply, well, we're keeping the ball better. We're not losing it in stupid positions. And I knew that would be the answer, but I'm sure there's more to it than that. It can't just be about keeping the ball.
3: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the
0: opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot.
1: Yeah. And, and, and do you think, because there's a question here, Saint194, um, evening gents, what's your thoughts on our best midfield combination? Um, I think that's the toughest thing to get right in our season. So many combinations. Alfie, do you feel like you guys have chatted a lot about, you know, Shay Charles and Flynn Downs playing in that sort of defensive position? He's, he's obviously rotated those two a little bit over the last couple of games. But do you think that that's kind of supported the defence in the way that it needed to be? It's almost acted as that buffer that wasn't there for those games before that?
4: Well, if you asked me two weeks ago, I'd have said that the best midfield three would have certainly been Shea Charles, maybe Flynn Downs and Stuart Armstrong, or one of Flynn Downs and Will Smallburn and Stuart Armstrong. Um, I'm, I'm actually a little bit surprised at the three they've set on is obviously um, Flynn, Will and uh, Stewie as well, because it, I don't think it offers much defensively, to be fair. And I suppose that's what they're saying about it. It's all about just keeping the ball and, and not giving it away in silly areas, because I've been really impressed with Shea Charles you know, breaking up transition. Aerially, he's a real threat in both boxes. He wins more headers than anyone else in that team by a mile. But I suppose there was a couple of instances where he did give the ball away once in a game and you get punished. So I think maybe Flynn, Will and Stewie offer a little bit more control. Stewie's obviously a bit more creative than the other two getting forward. And I think what I've noticed about Flynn is he's a really aggressive player. I didn't expect him to be because he's not the biggest lad in the world. Um, you know, playing for is a bit of a tippy-tappy team, of course, under the bros of mine. But actually, he's got a lot of aggression, You know, a London lad. Um, and I, I like him in the midfield time, uh, the, the holding role, yeah.
1: Yeah. And Glenn, do you think that's the, the challenge almost for Russell Martin? We we spoke about it a lot over the last few years with, you know, Ralph having too many options and overthinking sometimes and and, and things like that. Does it almost feel like he's got across that midfield piece, you know, too many options to consider that it's, it's trying to work out which ones do potentially offer him the, the qualities needed?
2: Um, yeah, but that's, you know, managers always say that's a nice problem to have, isn't it? Um, I don't think any of our midfield players are outstanding enough to be undroppable. Do you, do you know what I mean? If they if they lose form. Um, I'm, I'm not, like um, Alfie just said, I'm not convinced by the three that they they seem to have settled on in midfield. The, the midfield for us, it's, it's the conduit to everything happening. If the defenders have the ball and the midfield is not moving into space to receive the ball, the defenders can only go sideways and backwards. So we have one game where he picked a very strange midfield with Joe Rebo and Adam Armstrong in it and we just couldn't pass the ball we just couldn't pass the ball because no one was ever available so we ended up smashing it or or just dribbling around till we lost it which is how we gave the goal away um Shaw Charles got um, got tackled didn't he but so he he has to get that midfield right and it has it has to be the combination of adding some sort of defensive cover but also constantly being on the move to to receive the ball. Um so and I think there'll be there needs to be a horses for courses approach. I think when we play the you know the better teams that are going to put us under pressure. I think there's that's definitely a time for both Downs and Charles to play. Um I, you know I think Rotherham at home yeah putting smallbone there was was absolutely fine. But I'm I'm not as sold on on Will Smallbone in midfield as Russell Martin appears to be. Um, Al Alcaraz coming back, you know, playing as a false nine, it gave us an extra passing option from defence to midfield because he was happy to come deep, pick up the ball and turn around. Certainly, he was better at that than Shea Adams has been recently because the ball's just been bouncing off him. So that's, you know, so playing that diamond against Leeds, that certainly works really well. Having you know an extra player in front of the defence to pass the ball along the ground to, so uh, and, and connect and the midfielders obviously got to connect with the forwards and that's that's been one of the problems that I've sort of like seen from the very first game um, is is that the the ball up to the forwards we, we seem reluctant to play the ball into a, into a striker's feet at times and that um, you know when we play with an out and out striker we like against um, guess rather Shay Adams was coming short you know a little bit or he was at least showing for the ball and he might have had a defender you know behind him but they they just don't look to give him the ball sometimes and when and when we when we stop trying to pass it forward is when we become this very stodgy sideways and backwards team so uh, so yeah the mid, the midfield is as the guy on the question said it is absolutely the key area but uh, but yeah they should they should certainly um modify it for certain games
1: I feel yeah, I can see Mark here saying that I play Downs, Charles and Stu Armstrong in the midfield three, which I think uh, lines with what you said, uh, Alfie. And then uh, Cameron saying Downs, um, centre midfield, Armstrong and Smallbone. Um Glenn's sort of seamlessly there. I feel like we're working our way up the pitch here, Steve, but Glenn seamlessly led me to to Mark's question about Ross Stewart because um, he said, uh, needed, but uh, Ross Stewart's needed, but will our tippy-tappy style of play play to his strengths? Um, Obviously, there's a lot of, you know, you guys were talking about it last week, a lot of pressure on him to sort of come in and suddenly blaze in 30 goals and lead us to promotion and be the new talisman. I mean, I think we have to be a bit realistic and sort of imagine that won't happen. But even just in terms of the way we play and the style we play, do you think that that's going to, um play to, to Ross Stewart's strengths, or do you think he's gonna to have to adapt his game? I know time will tell, but what's your sort of views at the moment? Um quite frankly, I've
3: got no idea. Um <laughs> I've not see, I've not not seen very much of Stewart at all. Um because he's been injured for the best part of eight months. Yeah. Um so yeah um wait and see is is kind of the only, the only real um sort of analysis I, I can give on that. I think ultimately when in terms of goal scoring I mean, really, we need we just need someone who can pick up the slack and get fifteen. Yeah. Um, which if you're a championship forward who's got designs on being a Premier League forward, fifteen should be the absolute bare minimum. Um yeah. I mean Adam Armstrong's halfway there already and we're at the and we're in the middle of October and um and he scored four goals in the last two and a half years. So um yeah, I think I think goal goal scoring Kind of a, on a general level, I don't think it's going to be our problem. I think we've got enough good players who will score enough goals. Yeah. Um, the key will be getting those goals at the right times in the right games. Um, I mean, take that Leicester game as, as an example, where that first half we found ourselves three-one down at half time, and yet the chances we we created or Leicester gave to us um, mm. in that first half could easily have been three. We could have easily scored three ourselves. Um, but missed the chances, whereas they were clinical, and that 's yep. ultimately where sort of promotion is won and lost um in this division because you get um you kind of get a lot of chances if you 're a if you 're an attacking team you will get chances in pretty much every game um yep. and it 's about making sure you take them now some of the recent games um stoke leads obvious examples mm-hmm. we 've been pretty clinical with our chances um rotherham was the complete opposite we had loads of chances and and only scored one of them partially because yep. of a very good um performance by their keeper of Op- the opposition is allowed to play well um but there were also some pretty pretty ropey finishes there as well so mm. it's it's not it's not a case of it's all on sort of one sort of one side or the other but yeah we I think we've we've got enough there if Stuart can come in and and hit the ground running and most importantly stay fit, um, yeah. because yeah that's the that was all that was the big question mark when we signed him. When's he going to be available? How long is he going to be available
4: for? It's Certainly. just on Stuart. Obviously, football's not played in stats, but comparatively to Adams, he he wins a lot more of his aerial duels. Um, than Adams and obviously we see Adams somebody who can hold the ball up and make it stick when it goes long um, he gets caught offside a lot more on average than, than Adams and that indicates a willingness willing to sort of run in behind and make those channels but that could also just be a symptom of the way Sunderland played whereas Sunderland obviously won't play that same way and the other thing that I've seen Ross Stewart do is score headers I don't know if I've ever seen Adams score a header in two years he may have done I may be being harsh there uh, well, well, he mostly he to head
3: yeah. one onto his arm, didn't he? Exactly, yeah. <laughs>
4: yeah, so, yeah, roster is six for two. So he'll offer something that way. Like you say, it's just whether he'll fit this way of playing, I suppose, I'd love mm. to see. I think the running mm.
3: the channels thing, um, I'm not wholly convinced we'll see a lot of that. Mm. Just because teams that we're going to play against are likely to sit quite deep. Yeah. Um. I mean, it was noticeable, obviously, Rotherham camped on the edge of their penalty area for the for the majority of that game, as as you would expect them to do, as they're perfectly entitled to do um stoke were quite deep as well um leads were the ones that that pushed up and we took advantage of it they they gave us space in behind and and um thanks to the linesman um getting the decision wrong we were we were one up <laughs> inside um inside two minutes mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a yeah. real
4: chance for Charlie to make himself proper number nine, to be fair. I like not necessarily a six-foot-four number nine had head the ball, but you know Ryan sees him as somebody who can aggressively press the front line. It's the, the discipline, the positional discipline the awareness, and awareness in the midfield that he's not so sure on. So why you know, why have him there, have him on the the last man, have him getting balls on the edge of the box? We know what he can do when he gets a, a first-time strike. So he, I think it's a real chance for him in the next, next two or three weeks before we see Ross Stewart fully fit for Charlie to make a claim that actually I'm going to play in this position every single week.
1: And just on that, that was a question I was thinking about, Alfie. Obviously, we've all seen the the photo the last few days of the, uh, mm. the Argentinian goat with uh, Lionel Messi alongside him. Um, but uh, in terms of Charlie, I mean, how, how do you think he's going to benefit both as a footballer in terms of his professional experience, you know, going out there and being able to train alongside, you know, proven winners? Mm.
4: Yeah, well, I asked Russell mind this because it's always one of those things. Is that somebody who's not in the game and doesn't understand, you know, how much can you really learn in one week of just watching somebody? So I, I asked Russell, but I think it's more just—he uh, said—the mannerism, the the dedication, nutrition, things like that, and sort of self-confidence. I think one thing he said about the best players in the game is that they're just unbelievably confident in themselves, obviously, and mm. you have you have to sort of take that with you. I mean, how much can you actually learn from? looking at Lionel Messi for a week. I'm not too sure, but what he will take is incredible confidence. You know, mm-hmm. he's been given a new contract. It's surely come for a new pay rise based on what Russell Martin said to the group. Um, yeah. So he'll be happy with that. And he'll come back knowing he's he's had a chance to to play with the best player of all time. Um I think, yeah, that, that could be massive for him.
1: Yeah, um, Alfie, I'll get your thoughts on this afterwards. But Glenn, I, I see a couple of questions here, which I, th- I think are very prudent around um, Sam Ammo. Um, you know, Paul Lucas has said, why isn't Sam Ammo being used more? Um, scored on his England debut the other day. And I can see G Phil has said, what's the thoughts about Ammo? He seems to be a very useful impact sub in the early games, but we haven't seen much of him recently. Um, I'll come to you, Alfie. Maybe you'll have a bit more of an inside scoop on this. But Glenn, I suppose as a fan, you know, he was one of those players at the start of the season coinciding with a really bright start to the season that was exciting us all. Well. And yes, he's young and obviously other options have now come into the club the likes of Ryan Fraser and people like that but it does seem bizarre that he's just disappeared completely
2: um yes and no we we saw the dangers last year of playing 16 17 year olds too much too soon um well we've seen it with Romeo Lavia broke down Tina Libermento broke down so we uh, got Larios. yeah mm. Larios has been, has been out for the best part of a year now so yeah. we've we've um, we've seen the downsides of it um Purely from a playing point of view, I thought Sam Amo was was brilliant option off the bench. Last twenty minutes of games, tired defenders, etc. Um, he started one game against QPR and he really, really struggled.
4: Mm-hmm. So,
2: but he's he, yeah, he's disappeared from the bench altogether. I guess it's a bit of a balancing act. He he, he needs to play football, um, you know, and he needs to play ninety minutes here and there. And um, so I can understand him dropping down, but also. You know, when you see some of the options that are on the bench sometimes in some of the attacking positions, and you all know I'm talking about who's been played occasionally on the right wing, you, can't, you kind of think, I, I don't care if certain players are on a big contract. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's about winning the game that's in front of you. And I, I think, I'm going to say his name now, I I would rather have Sam Ammo coming off the bench for the last 10 minutes than Joe mm-hmm. because you know, to play that right wing position because it's, um, and, and possibly more than Ryan Fraser as well. Ryan Fraser has always done okay defensively um he you know he works back really hard, but who's more likely to create a goal you know and, and um I, Sam has definitely got something about him, but his his time will come I, I you know I think if one of the wide attacking players gets injured um then then he'll be straight back in there and I don't think there's a there's a real reason why not, but I can understand the club being quite careful with him mm mm-hmm.
4: Alfie, any sort of further thoughts to to add to that? Yeah, not too much to add. I think Glenn summed it up perfectly. I, I would start by saying that I would probably have him on my bench because he saw the damage that he did at Plymouth. Um, mm. Obviously, he created the, the corner for the goal as well at the end. Um, what I would say is it's coincided, obviously, with the signings of, um, of Ryan Fraser and the return of Kamadi and Sulemana. So, obviously, mm. Ryan Fraser's debut was QPR, and then Dean played, I think, in the next game or maybe the week after. And obviously, those two weren't at the club. Only Nathan Teller went out the other way. So I suppose two wingers have come in and, and one has gone out the other way. So one has to drop and they've gone with Sam. Um, but yeah, like, like Glenn says, his time will come. He's turned 17 years old seven or eight weeks ago.
1: Mm-hmm. right we're going to do a couple more questions it's flown by it's half an hour already flown by but uh you know thanks for all the great questions that are coming in Um, steve i'm going to end with you the last question but just before we do alfie i saw a great start uh question at the start from hugh barlow obviously you're you're one of our own now alfie but uh hmm. hugh said uh who did you grow up supporting before you got involved with the uh, sfc so i know the answer but i'm not sure all the world will uh, alfie so enlighten us yeah, well, my... I've, I've... <laughs> yeah no, not quite.
4: thank god no not again no, I've lived in Savannah for five years now, so I, I am an adopted saint, I would say, but I grew up supporting Bristol City. I was a season ticket holder for a few years at Ashton Gate, um, so that's, that's what I support. The Johnston's paint final, I think 2015 was uh, probably my favourite football in memory, beat Warsaw 2-0. Um, yeah. So hopefully we don't see one of those again anytime yeah. soon.
2: And how old yeah. were you in 2015? I
1: can't reveal that. You know the answer. (laughs) Um, And and Steve, just to finish then, um, I I just wanted to, I know I mentioned it in the preview, but I just wanted to pick up on the the women's team because obviously they're doing a, a fantastic job at the moment we had a, a great email and a clip in from Dan Beggs last weekend actually him and his wife were watching the game away to Watford and I think his wife had managed to to accidentally video one of the goals when she wasn't meant to or something like that but you know obviously currently top of the league they won again this weekend um you know I, I, I sort of made the, the line at the start about the only real potential at the club at the moment of showing signs of promotion um you, you know just sort of briefly your reflections on kind of the job that Marianne and the and the team are continuing to do there because it does feel like they are on a crest of a wave still over the last couple of years yeah i mean i mean let's let's be very clear about this um the women's the women's
3: team at saints gets a lot of um investment uh mm-hmm. relative to the clubs at the same level um so i think that's got to be kind of taken into account that with that investment should come tangible results and um, two years ago they won the league by a mile um, won the playoff to to get into this level job done um, and having stepped up a level uh, last season they were they were kind of there or thereabouts until they they I don't know whether whether it was a case of they they realized they weren't gonna weren't gonna um, challenge for the for the title with about six or seven games to go and and it basically all kind of fell apart at the end and they finished, I think possibly even bottom half in the end.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, so, but this, this season they've obviously made, a, there's been quite a lot of changes uh, personnel wise. So you can tell that there is, there is that sense that something needed to change. And I mean, the problem, the problem that everyone could see last season was that was they just didn't score enough goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and already this season, they are, big second top scorers because Palace have been going absolutely mental um with theirs. I think I think they beat I think one of their games they beat Durham nine one or something like that. Um but yeah so they've they've improved the goal output. Um defensively still looking looking reasonably solid. Um that Birmingham game the other week was a bit of an aberration but um yeah looking looking like they they could at least challenge this season. Um which yeah give as i say given the investment is probably where where i imagine the club would would expect them to be mm-hmm. um not necessarily win win the thing um because there's there's other clubs who have who have um probably put similar amounts of investment in and and also with players that have got a lot more experience at this level um mm-hmm. but um, having put that investment in, they are they are now seeing results. So that's good to see. Um, crowds seem to be quite impressive uh, from, from yep. what I've seen. Um, little bit of a disappointment that the last couple of games they've had to move back to Tottenham. Um, mm. Because obviously our pitch um our pitch has got herpes again. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. But it's yeah it's it's one of those one of those things where yeah what can you do? Um so that, that's a shame. But um got Arsenal and Spurs coming up soon in the uh, in the League Cup. So that's going to be a, a very interesting barometer for where we are um mm, yeah. in terms of level. I mean, I anybody who's going to watch that game against Arsenal at St Mary's, temper your expectations, please. <laughs> <laughs> um I I think a, a good result would be anything less than a three nil de- a three goal defeat. In all honesty, because the the teams at the top in the Super League are yeah. just light years ahead. Yeah, the, sp- yeah. the speed at which they play the game is is just just on a complete different level. Um, but I think there there may be some sort of expectation that we might, if we're top of the league, then oh, we can we can go and give them a bloody nose. Not, I I would yeah, I would I would hold off hold off on um, on those sort of expectations
1: initially. But we'll see um be be a very interesting one that well that's it for this bonus midweek episode hopefully you've enjoyed it um do let us know what you think and if it's been interesting and gone down well maybe we'll look to do something similar in the near future don't forget our regular slot is sunday evenings at 7 15 p.m uk time we live stream every tsp episode to facebook x twitch and youtube with the audio podcast released on monday mornings as we regularly state This podcast is completely underpinned by our wonderful community of global patrons. If you'd like to find out more about becoming a patron and supporting the podcast with a monthly contribution, just visit patreon.com, which is P-A-T-R-E-O-N slash Total Saints podcast. Our four tiers range from £5 to £20 per month and each offer their own particular perks that includes weekly shout outs for patrons in our Francis Benali and Mick Shannon tiers. So thank you to Dave Melton, Mark Atkins, Andy Hollis, Matt Hall, Anthony Thompson, Saints in Exile, Gavin Ford, James Harran, Nicky Nicholson, Southampton NY and Drew Dyer in the Francis Benali tier and also to Colt Baker, Dave Ernsberger, Ed Busy, Nick Hinkston, Phil Cook, Matt Rose and Nick Reed in our Mick Shannon tier. Martin, Glenn, Stephen, Alfie will be back at the weekend to chat about the Hull City match. Our preview of that game, complete with insight from the To Hull and Back podcast could be found in our previous episode TSP246. So until then, thank you for watching and or listening for all your great questions and we'll see you again on Sunday night. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same
0: goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery.